Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR, talent, and leadership communities to you. For more episodes and the latest articles covering what's new in the world of work, visit hrgazette.com, subscribe and follow us on social media. Welcome to another episode of the HR Chat Show. I'm your host today, Bill Bannum, and in this episode, we're going to delve into the psychology of hiring. My guest today is Margarita Rafael. Margarita is originally from beautiful Lisbon, Portugal, and she moved to Chicago to get her master's and doctorate degrees in clinical psychology. Her clinical experience in administration and development of a variety of psychological tests culminated in a full-time dedication to research in the industrial and organizational field. She is currently the head of psychological sciences at WorkZinger, a job search and hiring platform that emphasizes company culture fit. There, Margarita works as a researcher and assessment content creator. She continues to see patients in her own private practice for therapy and psychological assessments. Margarita, it's my pleasure to welcome you back to the show today. Bill, thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited. Yes, you are back. You were previously on the show, uh, I think it was episode 417, specifically focusing on the psychology of recruiting. Uh, Listeners, you should absolutely check that out. And what that means for today's show is we're going to forego our usual first get to know you question. Instead, I would encourage folk to check out episode 417. And we're going to get straight into the hard hitting questions instead, Margarita. So first up, in your opinion, how do leaders decide what type of company they want to be, and the values that they stand for. When we talk about leaders making this decision, you know, I can, I, the first thing that I have to say is that they listen. Leaders listen. If it's a company that's already been created, if it's a company that already exists, leaders have to listen to employees. They have to listen to who already makes up the company. And then, in a way, they find and identify patterns that are related to the company atmosphere, the company values, the company ideals, who they are as a company, and what employees, clients, everyone involved sees as ideals, atmosphere, values. One way that it can do this is exactly by taking the culture fit assessment for organizations. You know, this is an assessment that holds a big mirror to leaders and to everyone that's interested in understanding better the culture of their company. And by asking different people to complete it, you can get a good picture of where you stand in terms of company culture. Okay, wonderful. Thank you very much. So where does where does the culture of an organization really come from, though? Is it is it fully top down? Or do you believe that employees contribute to what to what that overall culture is and how it evolves? The culture of an organization does not come from top down. It's both top down, bottom up, because the culture of an, of an organization is not just created from leaders. It's created from clients. It's created from small and large interactions. Yes, I mean from the post, uh, the post office, uh, the mailman that comes in and delivers the package, the receptionist, your client that you speak to every day your client that you speak to once in a blue moon, because everyone is a contributor. It's something, it's sometimes difficult, you know, for just one person or one department to understand what this culture is. 
And that's why I was just talking about listening in a previous question. Everyone forms this culture. And as a matter of fact, when we believe and people at the top think that they are the ones that define the culture, that's when a lot of problems start. It starts because what people feel like they've got ownership over what the culture should be. They get offended when because people don't live up to those expectations. Why, why is that? Exactly. You, you mentioned ownership over what the culture is be. Thinking that culture is something that only happens in the top tier of the company when it's not. Everyone contributes to the culture. Culture is everything that's not just seen and palpable. Pop, it's not the values that it put, you put on your, on your wall. Culture is everything that's seen and not seen, from behaviors to rituals to tendencies to beliefs. It's a, it's a lot of things that don't just happen on a leadership level. And when the leadership believes that it's something that is only occurring from top down, you're missing the, most, the biggest and most important component of culture of that same organization. How can HR be, and, and uh, I was watching an interview with, with you and Dan Hunter from a little while back, and, and I, I love this term, relentless. How can HR be <laughs> relentless with, with the mission to hire folks who, who do genuinely fit with the company culture? What does that approach look like? You have to be relentless because it's not a, a start and finish project. You need to be determined because we know the impact is really big of the people that you hire for the company. It's a huge impact, not just on that candidate, but also on a team level, on a company level, on a greater organization level. So here's what I, here's what I think. Don't just rely on the recruiters or HRR personnel opinion. We know that human judgment is always biased. I'm a psychologist. I can tell you that we carry bias with you, with us, at all times. And this is something that works subconsciously. So one of the best ways that we can minimize this bias and also lift up this pressure uh, of the HR personnel in making this decision is by using extra tools to minimize this issue. Use these additional tools to make an informed decision about what the company needs for this job position. Take the culture fit assessment. You know, ask the candidate to take a culture fit assessment. Understand where you are standing for that exact job position you're hiring for and understand who the individual is free of your own bias. Look beyond the resume, look beyond the academic expertise, look beyond their previous job experience and understand who that individual is that's applying for the position as a whole. Okay, and we will be talking a bit more about uh, the, the candidate assessment in just a moment. But let's talk first about validating assessments. Maybe talk about the process of validating assessments, Margarita, or maybe in some cases the lack thereof. But what are those processes and what are those checks that are needed to be in place? Good question. I'm trying not to, I'm going to try not to use a lot of jargon uh, in this conversation with you, Bill, because a lot of, a lot of the validation process that happens behind the scenes, you know, with uh, psychometricians, psychologists, HR personnel, is, is very heavy on math and it's very heavy on statistics. So here's usually how it goes. You, 
or us, we develop uh, an assessment, a tool that is that stands on validated theories out in a public domain already. So anything that we create is already based on a theory that has been existing for decades and that has been validated. Now, that's the theory, that's not the tool. So once we have the theory, we can start developing our own test, our own assessment. Now, just because, just because it's based on a theory that's validated does not mean that our own test is automatically validated. That does not happen. So what the second step of this process is to put it out in the open. We create a tool, we put it out in the open, and we have hundreds, thousands of people filling it out. So it's not out in public. We're not selling this yet, right? We're just testing it out. We put it out in the public, ask many, many people to fill it out because we want to ensure validity and reliability, right? We want to make sure that the tool we created has been proved to evaluate the concept that it says it evaluates, that's validity, and also that results are consistent throughout time. That's reliability. It means that one individual can take the exact same test over and over again and will get pretty much the same results. The only way that we can assure validity and reliability is by getting a very big sample size of people that take the tool and we just run and run and run statistics on it. What are the items that appear to be good and consistent? What are the items that we have to discard? And then we do this again. Okay, now with these questions, now with other set of questions. So it's a lot of, of trial and error comproved by statistics. So we have a backup here. And only after we have a very good validation reliability of the tool, after we've interviewed hundreds and thousands of people, that's when we can say that we have a valid measure to put out in public. Now, as you can imagine, this is a process that takes months. It can take up to years. And that's why you don't just develop an assessment tool overnight. I mean, you can, and you can even make it very pop and trendy and in vogue, which we know is the case with a lot of other tests that are out there. But you can never say that it's a valid measure. You can never say that it's research-based. It's research-backed because it's not until we go through these processes. Okay, okay. Then so that's that's how you guys over at WorkZinger are doing it, right? Your proprietary exactly. assessment. That, that, that's how the assessment is validated? Exactly. So we, and, that, and that's exactly the reason why we have been working on this for over a year relentlessly to use the word for over a year it's not something that we just created and put it out it's something that we created we test we retest we run tests we run statistics we run we do a lot over and over this process to make sure that when we put it out in the public and it's coming very shortly we can put the stamp and tell you this measure it's research supported this measure as well is validated this measure has a very good reliability so you can you can use it you can try it and it will work and it doesn't work because i'm telling you that it works or because our our founder is telling you that it works 
it works because we proved that it did with a very big sample size and with a lot of statistics to back up this statement. So these things take time, listeners. Um, to, to Margarita's point, you can maybe get something a bit more pop. Um, but if you if you want it done properly, it, it, it involves lots and lots of time and lots of collation of, of data. Okay, so wh wh why why is your culture fit assessment therefore uh, perhaps better than, than other options out there on the market? Well, one of the reasons is exactly because it's empirically researched, validated with very good reliability. That's that's one of the things that make us stand out. We've studied, we've researched, is is empirically based. The other thing that makes us different and stand out from other assessments out there is the fact that it's bi-directional. And bi-directional, I mean, it's not just the candidate that is taking this assessment. It's also the company. And with the information from candidates and information from company being measured on the exact same parameters. So we're not measuring different things. We're measuring the exact same parameters. We're measuring the ideals, the atmosphere of the company, the value. Based on this, we can give you an alignment. Where do you stand and where does the company stand? for the job you're applying for. Now, this is groundbreaking because you don't see anyone else out there doing this, especially not with the, with the high reliability that we have reached at this point. And there will, of course, listeners be uh, links in the show notes so you can learn even more. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, okay. I want to I now chat to you a little bit about uh, the interview process itself okay so um it's yeah. important to have tools uh, to assess the candidate's fit of course but um the interview stage itself is terribly terribly important and it is prone to hiring managers and hr folk um maybe you know making faux pas making mistakes not covering everything not mm -hmm. saying things or explaining things in the right ways what, what are some of those big mistakes made in in the interview when it comes to assessing cultural fit? Good question, because you were asking specifically about interview, but I would even tell you that the mistakes happen prior to the interview. The hiring process does not start when you begin interviewing for people. The hiring process starts from the moment that you realize you need to hire someone for a position, right? And here's the thing, though. Companies don't always know who they are and where they stand when it comes to their own culture. So they struggle to hire for cultural fit or for cultural addition to, for the job that they are hiring for, right? And, and, and it's not just one culture that we're talking about. There are different cultures within a company, too. The hiring manager may have one perspective. The job you are hiring for may have a different need, and the culture of the company altogether may be, may be very different. And that's why we created something like the culture fit assessment. We ask different people within the company that are involved in the hiring process to complete the culture fit assessment. It's not just HR. It's not just a hiring manager, right? We 
we don't always have the awareness, and by we, I mean companies. Companies don't always have this awareness. They may easily fall into the trap of hiring for culture similarity. That's a very important, that's a very common mistake. You don't necessarily know what you're looking for because you don't know the culture that you have. So you begin hiring for culture similarity. You're hiring based on who you already have and what's similar to you. Needless to say, this brings up an important problem in terms of diversity, right? Because culture alignment between company and job seeker means a culture addition in terms of the diversity for the company too. So those are two of the very important um, mistakes that, that we need to address from early on, not just at the interview level, but from early on. It's the, it, it's the knowing the culture that you have and knowing the culture that you have for the specific job position and the awareness about hiring for culture diversity, not for culture similarity which obviously these are two concepts that are intertwined. I can tell you that the third mistake that often happens is, and it's, it's a very naive mistake, I, I may even say, it's the bias that I was, I was just talking uh, a while ago, right? When the entire interview process, when the entire pre-employment process is done by one person or an HR team or even uh, a few people, everyone as human beings carry bias with them. And we rely on our own bias to make decisions. That's, that's an enormous uh, amount of pressure and also lays the ground for unfair hiring. Not just unfair, but a hiring that does not necessarily work. That's why it's important, and I mean, I'm not just telling you this, this is nothing new, right? That, that it's important to add extra tools for the pre-employment process. That's why we see uh, uh, assessments such as the culture fit assessment. That's why we see the usage of cognitive tests. That's why we see a lot of different tests being required in this pre-employment process, right? Okay, so let's keep talking about the the pre-interview stage for a moment. A, a key player in that in that stage uh, is often uh, an outsourced recruiter, recruitment agency, of course, um, and they they don't necessarily really know what the culture of one of their client companies is, or perhaps they do. Maybe you'll tell me that they can uh, know that. So my question for you there is, how can recruiters help with ensuring a cultural fit? As part of that, you know, how can how can they get a better sense of the company and how can they make sure that they're asking the right questions of the candidate to, to connect them? Mm -hmm. And I think this question is uh, really important considering the new generations entering the workforce, you know, Gen Z, millennials, because what we know is that candidates are also interviewing companies. It's not just the other way around, right? So recruiters can no longer just work for companies. It's not just about finding a good fit for the company. It's also finding a good fit for this candidate because the candidate, job seekers, have a critical eye. They are entering the workforce only willing to work for someone that fits their own culture, that fits their values. People want to feel fulfilled, people want to have meaning, 
and people are going into job interviews and looking for jobs critical of the company. Now, something that recruiters can do to help ensure this culture fit is to think about this even before the hiring process, right? And also the listening skills from inside the company as well. Understanding who the company is. Who, how are they going to explain the company to the candidates? And also, who are these candidates altogether, but not just in terms of resume, not just in terms of job expertise and uh, graduating college or uh, where they went to school, right? We know this is no longer a unidirectional approach. We know that candidates, as I was saying, are also interviewing companies. So recruiters need to have an eye for outside of what resume says, outside of hard skills. Understand who this person is. Tell me who you are in terms of values, ideals. What are you looking for, for yourself as an individual and not just for yourself as a professional? And, and hiring with the human factor in mind is extremely important and only keeping this human factor, keeping an ear open for things that make this person human and what makes this job position need a human is the click that we need. Okay, I completely agree. Thank you very much. We are already coming towards the end of this interview, Margarita, but we're going to get you on again very soon because you're one of my favourite guests and favourite people. Uh, but before we do wrap up for today, two more questions for you. Uh, next one, and maybe it's a little bit of a recap of some of the things you've spoken about so far, so far but I do want to leave our listeners with a bit of a warning. What, what happens if one hires people who do not align with their company values? What research tells us is that when you hire someone who does not align with your values, the entire team will suffer. It's not just the individual that suffer from it, right? It's the entire team. It's the company altogether. You will have a negative impact on the organization altogether. We know that success, productivity, happiness of the company is directly dependent of a good fit fit between employees and employer and when it's not a good alignment for whatever reason and when the good alignment is not identified there's a higher turnover rate it's incredibly time consuming it's incredibly expensive uh, for the company as, as as well results for the company stall and all of this on a macro level in terms of productivity results and consequences for the organization but also what happens to the candidate, right? When they um, find themselves going through a long interview process, make a decision, start at a job, make a commitment, energy, time involve, involvement, and then it's not a good fit because it doesn't align with values. That's, that's, also, that's also heavy and difficult uh, for the candidate. So it has a very big negative impact on both ends. Okay, so you have been warned, listeners. Uh, you need to jump on this. Okay, and just finally for today, Margarita, for this particular chat, although we will be doing many more in the future, how can our listeners connect with you and learn more about all the cool things happening over at WorkSinger? 
Get in touch with me on LinkedIn. Get in touch with me via email. My email is margarita with a D um, at workzinga.com. I'm always happy to connect, engage in conversations, find out and learn more about who is on the other side of the listening channel. And if I don't speak to you sooner, I will see you at SHRM, the, the conference in New Orleans this year. Absolutely, you will. In fact, listeners, uh, just before we do wrap up, uh, you can expect a uh, a special episode live from the Sherm floor, a little bit like we did a couple of months back, um, again with the awesome CEO of Webzinga, Dan Hunter. So a couple of months back, we, we spoke to Dan while he was live at Sherm Talent. Well, this time, myself and Chris Bjorling, who works with the HR Gazette, we're going to be we're going to be there. We're going to be in your leans. We'll be having lots of fun, meeting lots of cool people, and we will be chatting with Margarita, and we will be doing uh, a bit of a a bit of a show special uh, with Dan Hunter again. So look forward to that one. Um, but for now, and stop by and, our booth. Yeah, absolutely. And stop by, of course, and stop by the Work Zinger booth. You may even find me there. So uh, um, it'll be a rare opportunity to see me with brushed hair and maybe a maybe a suit. Um, but for now, listeners, as always, happy working. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Chat Podcast. There are hundreds of conversations with business experts available for free on the HR Gazette website, Apple, Spotify, and all the main platforms. And remember to like, subscribe and follow us on social media.